Well, this time of year we think about gift giving, and we're going to kind of merge that thought with the reason why Jesus came, because they sync up. Sometimes over Christmas, things that people think of as Christmassy are not really very Christmassy in terms of the true meaning of Christmas. Um, There was an advertisement way back in the early 1920s, uh, and it was evidently the first time that the slogan had been used used in an advertisement, the gift that keeps on giving. It was for Hot Point uh, hot point appliances, and it ran an ad that said, give mother what she really wants this season, this all-white hot point electric range, a gift that keeps on giving. Hmm. Now that's what some of you women want, right? That all-white hot point electric range. Um, well, why did Jesus come? Jesus came to give us a gift. In our passage today, we hear of the grace of God, and grace is a gift. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life. It is truly the gift that keeps on giving for all eternity. Uh, The gift of God is eternal life. And we know that the Bible says that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. boast. And so in that passage in Ephesians, we get an inkling of the fact that we receive it as a gift because we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. There's a a ministry, an an educational institution, that has as its slogan uh, that it will help educate deserving young boys and girls. I've always thought that to be a little strange coming from a Christian institution Um, because really none of us are deserving. But I I understand what they mean. What they mean is their their task, as they've defined it, is uh, not to be a reform school, but it's to help uh, children, boys and girls, that through no fault of their own find themselves in a very difficult situation. Maybe a parent has passed away or there's been some extreme situation in the family uh, that has led them to need some kind of educating And so uh, this particular institution does that. But we find ourselves really the recipients of a a different gift than that. Uh, We are in no way deserving. As we found out last week, what do we deserve? We deserve condemnation. We deserve punishment. Uh, What we found out last week in our passage is that, uh, that in fact, um, our sin uh, is a a manifestation of a heart problem that that we have rebelled against God. It's as if uh, the judge, uh, that we as children have come to the judge's house and tried to light it on fire and uh, have been caught in our attempted arson and we're standing before the judge and the judge says, no longer, I'm not only not going to convict you of arson and put you away, but I'm going to adopt you into my family um, and I'm going to make you an heir uh, recipient of my lavish, um, my lavish estate. That's what we have through God and Jesus Christ. We get grace. We get what we don't deserve. We get acceptance. We get instead of eternal separation in hell as a result of our sin, we get eternal acceptance. Instead of con- condemnation, we get commendation through Jesus Christ before God. We get eternal life as, as a free gift. 
Indeed, and it really syncs up with our passage today, perhaps, perhaps you've heard before the definition of grace, you know, the acronym grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what we find here in our text today, that though Jesus Christ was rich, how was Jesus Christ rich? Well, he was sent from the Father. He was the eternal Son of God. As I mentioned last week, he didn't become the Son of God when he was born of the Virgin Mary. He was eternally the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, as we say in theology, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the three existed, one God, three persons for all eternity in heaven. And Jesus, uh, as the second person of the Trinity, the Son, was truly God. And he enjoyed perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity. They had this this wonderful union. Uh, Jesus received uh, the praise and the glory from the angelic host from all eternity, as he should. It was good. It was really good. Uh, He was rich, and yet he became poor for your sake. So what was the poverty of Jesus? Part of the poverty of Jesus was taking on flesh and blood, a human body and a human soul, taking on what, being, being part of his creation, part of what he had created. Now I'm going to talk more next week in our memory verse about the humility and the humiliation of Jesus Christ just in becoming a man. But I'm just going to point out one thing about the incarnation um, as we think about the humility of God taking on a human body and a human soul and coming into this world. As uh, Gabe Al and I were over in uh, Europe this summer and we were um, speaking with Muslims about Jesus Christ, one of the, the comebacks that Muslims will use when they, we speak of Jesus being God is they will say, uh, you're saying that God went to the bathroom? The indignity of it, right? And what we would say, well, Jesus was truly God and truly man in one person. And so Jesus didn't give up his deity, but he took on humanity. And in doing so, he impoverished himself. And part of it was just taking on what it means to be a human being. You know, Jesus endured a lot in this life, just like you and I have endured things, and he took it on willingly. Um, You know, if you had the opportunity, for those of you that experienced damage to your homes, uh, if you could could have avoided that, would you have avoided that? If you could have sort of snapped your fingers and put a bubble over your house, you know, a force field, some sci-fi movie, uh, if you could have done that for your business, if you could have done that for your loved ones, if we could have done that for our church, right? Would we have just, we would have, right? We would have done it. Jesus willingly took on the difficulties of this life. All that this life could throw at, at him, he took on and he did it uh, and he became poor. Uh, the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And in particular, he suffered on the path to the cross and the cross itself. That's 
sometimes called the Passion of Christ. And so Jesus Christ, on his way to Calvary, on his way to the cross, endured uh, ridicule and opposition by his own people, by the religious leaders, um, uh, ultimately one of his own disciples, as it was said so poignantly in the, uh, the hymn today that we sang, he was betrayed with a kiss by one of his own that was close to him. Uh, he was um, hauled in before a kangaroo court and suffered gross injustice, even the death penalty that he did not deserve. Um, on the way to the cross, he was spat upon. He, was, he had a crown of thorns, uh, a torturous um, mockery placed on his head. He was uh, crucified. He was laid bare, naked, for the entire world to see. He um, endured the torturous uh, death on the cross. Jesus became poor. He took it on so that you might be rich. The Bible says that Christ offered himself to God to purify us. Hebrews 9.14 The Bible says that Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to do what? To bring you to God, to restore you into a right relationship with God, to make you sons and daughters of God, cherished greatly by God and enjoying a fellowship for all eternity with him in a perfect world uh, to enjoy the wonders of heaven now, a new heavens and a new earth, uh, the, the wonder of being with him. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So the perfect God came down here. He had perfect fellowship. And in him, we now have perfect fellowship with God. We have a taste of that now, and we will know an imperfection in all eternity. And we will know perfect fellowship with each other for all eternity. And so that is the gift that we've received. Now, this is not an automatic gift, you know. Some of you probably have uh, tried to get FEMA help. Um, and uh, let's say FEMA gave you a million dollars to make you whole again. That would be wonderful. But if they did that, they would make you jump through a lot of hoops, right? To do that, you know, what hoops do you have to jump through to get the, the gift, uh, the greatest gift of all? It's simply a matter of faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And Paul says it's not about works. It's not about you earning it or deserving it. And so what this means is that you acknowledge that you have sinned, that you have rebelled against God, and that you need a Savior. And that, in fact, amazingly, God has come in the form of Jesus, and he has impoverished himself so that you might have his riches, that you might be righteous in his sight, that you might have eternal life, and that you trust in that, that you transfer your trust from your own supposed goodness and ability And you transfer that to Jesus Christ. And know what it means to be his, to be forgiven, to be whole in him, to be loved by him. And to know the hope of eternal life. And to experience that for all eternity. It is a gift of grace. Now this time of year we hear the the question posed to us quite a bit. 
on the radio, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? And the Apostle Paul says to you, it says to to Susan and Jim and Tori and to everybody here, you know, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to people who know this. And as we know this, this has an impact in our lives. You see, there's a context here to this passage. It's a very practical context. It's, uh, the Apostle Paul has been writing to the Corinthians, and in 1 Corinthians, he asks them to take up a collection for the Christians in Jerusalem and Judea, uh, Jewish Christians, uh, that have needs. And he asks them to begin to make contribution to their needs. And the Corinthians church begins to do that. Uh, But then they stall and they don't follow through. And so if you pull that out later today, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and you'll see here this whole discussion, and I'll quote a little bit of it. And he talks about the Macedonian churches and how they had actually gone a little farther in in, in, uh, this contribution. He's using them as an example. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 8.1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace, there's that word, the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Here's the interesting thing. He uses the word grace several times in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as a euphemism, as an equivalent of giving contributions. He says, we want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God. To us. He's saying to the Corinthians, take a look at the Macedonians. They know the grace of God. They begged for an opportunity to give to the Christians in Jerusalem and Judea, those that had need, and they were not particularly well off, and yet they did it. And he goes on to say to the Corinthian church in chapter 8, verse 6, accordingly we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. They are to excel in the act of grace, which is giving. This is chapter 8, verse 7. And he goes on to, of course, talk about the fact that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, became poor, so that you might become rich through him being impoverished. Grace begets grace. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now you have grace to give to others. Now, Paul's not talking so much about earthly riches, and Jesus Christ wasn't a billionaire that became poor, and he gave up his billions for you to have those billions. He's talking about something far grander. He's talking about Christ and 
and the incarnation and the humility of Christ and the humiliation of Christ and the suffering of Christ, uh, who was God, and the accomplishment of your eternal life. But what Paul is saying as he embeds this verse like a, like a pearl in an oyster, surrounded by these words, that this means that rightly we should be people who are gracious people, who extend grace to others, who don't deserve it, who haven't earned it. And so one of, ways, one of the ways we do that is we help people out monetarily. We help provide what people need. Uh, maybe in small ways, maybe in big ways, but we have the opportunity to do that. Do you know people have been providing for us as a church, people outside of our church, they've been showing us grace. They've been doing it in small gifts and in large gifts. Just uh, yesterday we received uh, a donation of $50 from somebody I don't know in Fort Lauderdale for our church. Uh, we've received donations anywhere from $50 to $5,000. Uh, from people oftentimes that don't know us. They just know of our need, and they've, they've reached out. And so you need to know that, that people are extending grace to us uh, in our need. And so how about you? Um, in your own need, just as the Macedonians had need, they begged for the opportunity to give. And maybe you uh, have been doing that. Maybe you've been providing for people around you that you know that have need um, as I mentioned, we know that there are needs of our brothers and sisters out in California in a PCA church out there that every church member lost their home. Uh, go to the, the PCA website, M&A, and you can go to that site and it will direct you how you can donate money uh, to that cause. Again, I'm not trying to manip manipulate you. This is not a guilt trip. This is a grace trip. You've been given the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and so, how is it the Lord is working on your heart to extend grace to others? Also, this generosity here is really a generosity of the church. It's corporate generosity. It's, it's the churches in Macedonia. It's the church of Corinth. And um, we know as a church, uh, we have been the recipient of churches that have not only donated money. Some of these monies have come from individuals. Some of them have come from churches. But we've had teams come in from churches to help us out as a church, to help us uh, get ready to rebuild our own buildings and also uh, to work in our homes and to remove debris and to do tree work. Um, and so you need to know as a congregation uh, that we have every intention of continuing to reach out as a church as the Lord provides through our missions program. Uh, we have no uh, desire and we have no intention at this point of of cutting that missions program. We're, we're trusting that the Lord will provide, and we would like to do that as a body of providing for those uh, that, um, that we have committed to give in terms of missions. Secondly, the grace of giving time. You know, some of it is just a matter of giving your time. Uh, we've had people come in that have given up their time, their vacation time, uh, to, to work with us, to work on our facilities, uh, to work among you. Uh, we have opportunities to do that, uh, to give of our time, uh, to help people out. I know a number of you have done that. Uh, you've been working in your neighbor's homes. Uh, you've been working in homes of people in the church and in the community. You've, you've extended the grace of God by your time and your energy. Thirdly, the grace of giving your talent. 
Uh, some of us have talent uh, that can be brought to bear. Uh, I see, I think I saw Brian Keski here today. And um, Brian, uh, early on, as, as a number of you, I see James here. Brian and James and others were here early on, you know, uh, offering their time on, uh, over at, the, over at the, the building. Just what, what do you need done? I'll be here to help. And uh, from time to time, Brian would call and say, I can't come in today because um, I've been called in to work at, some, at a medical facility. He's a doctor. And so I would text back to him and I'd say, you know, go forth and save lives. You know, he's got the ability, he's got the talent, he's got the training uh, to do that. And so some of us have been gifted by God in numerous ways to do things that are specifically helpful uh, in extending grace to people in ways that others can't. I was, uh, my neighbor uh, is building a fence, and I was over at his house. He happens to be a fellow believer in Christ. He's a member of, of Covenant Presbyterian Church, just two houses down from me. And, and I came up and saw him working on his fence and on his gate, and he said, it's not quite sinking up here, you know, and I can't figure out uh, exactly how to do this. Do you have any advice? And my advice was, you don't want advice from me. Uh, I am not the guy to do this. Uh, I remember after uh, Hurricane Katrina, we went uh, to a town in Mississippi, and we were working on uh, roofing a house. And so the, the guy that was in charge said, here, I'll show you how to, how to lay down shingles with a gun. And I was doing it, and we got a little ways into it. And he said, you did it wrong, Ron. And so we had to pull up you know, a bunch of shingles and start back. And I said, this is not my thing. This is, I do not need to do this. This is not helpful, right? And so um, some of you are gifted in ways that others are not, and you can give of your talent uh, to help your neighbors, to help, your, uh, to help the church, uh, even, even as we begin to teach Sunday school. Some of you are teachers. Um, you have that ability. Some are not. Some don't need to be doing that, and some do. Uh, we all have our talents and our abilities uh, to give to others. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And another practical outworking of this is a benefit to ourselves, and we find it here in 2 Corinthians, and that is the grace of God helps us personally to weather the storms of life. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So again, keep in context, the the book of 2 Corinthians talks a lot about grace. And so here's the Apostle Paul. Many of you Bible students will remember this passage. He talks about this thorn in the flesh that he had. He says, So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And then he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that that it should leave me. But he said to me, What? What did he say to Paul? My grace is sufficient. Mm. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient. It is sufficient to deal with the various things that were going on in his life. So he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, the Apostle Paul went through it. 
The Apostle Paul went through it, but he was able to go through it and weather the storms because of the grace of God, because he knew the grace of God. He experienced the grace of God, even in the midst of the storm. And we need those reminders, don't we? We need those reminders. We know we've got the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit that's confirming the Word of God, that He's changed us, and so that we no longer, our, our uh, default mode is, is not rebellion against God, but we still have the remnants of the sinful nature, and we need to be reminded. We know this because the Corinthians needed to be reminded, right? Uh, they needed to be reminded about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they would extend that grace to others. It is good that God does not leave us in this condition. Another Christmas favorite by Charles Dickens, his description of Ebenezer Scrooge, oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetousness, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. It's one of the best descriptions, isn't it, of uh, negative descriptions of a human being. And that's naturally how we are, honestly. We are self-serving, self-protecting. We are not giving. We are rebellious. We are a sinner, like Scrooge. And yet God has extended his grace to us in Jesus Christ. He's changed our hearts so that we have a warm and responsive heart to the Holy Spirit and to Christ. And he's working in your heart and in my heart, those who are the recipients of the grace of God. I mentioned this week in my prayers uh, that um, friends of Heath and Ashley Taws uh, experienced um, a tragedy uh, Virginia, in Virginia. Christian, Kristen and Chris Willis um, are a couple, a uh, young couple, 40 years old. Uh, they have a couple of young kids, and um, Kristen uh, contracted pneumonia and uh, ultimately didn't get better, went into the hospital, uh, still was not getting better. They had to intubate her, and uh, she declined and, and ultimately uh, passed away. Uh, but before she passed away, um, they, uh, she gave her organs uh, to be donated to others. Um, and so that is a, um, a tragedy in the sense of the, the difficulty that that church is going through, Spring Run Presbyterian Church, and of course the family, um, and, and even friends like Heath and Ashley. So be in prayer for them. But um, she gave her life, and others received life through her life. Through her poverty, others became rich and experienced life. And so in an even greater way, we have one who laid down his life for you and for me, Jesus Christ. He became impoverished so that many, many others would taste eternal life in that perfect life. Um, and as a result, you know that. That's the main thing. Do you know that? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? And then if you do, then extend that grace to others. There's an advertisement that came out, uh, I think a year or two ago, for Godiva chocolate. And it was a play on that famous theme. Um, and it was, give the box that keeps on giving. 
And that particular, uh, that particular campaign by Godiva Chocolate was a big box of chocolate, and you would give it to somebody, and they would open the box up, and it would be divided into two boxes, a box to keep and a box to give. So you'd keep your box, and then you'd give the other box to somebody else, and they would take it, and they would open it up, and it would have in it two other boxes, a box to keep and a box to give. And they would take that other box to give, and I don't know how many boxes down it went, but several. It was the box that keeps on giving. And so you have received the gift that keeps on giving eternal life in Jesus Christ. It will last forever. And yet you, as the recipients of the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace, now give grace to others. That's what our passage is about today. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. That you might experience that personally, and that you might be able to give grace to others as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us your Son, Jesus Christ. As we think about this time of year where people give gifts, we know, Father, that so much of it is hollow and empty. And yet there is a truth, a profound truth, that in the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, we have received an incredible eternal gift, an eternal life, an eternal relationship, an everlasting foundation based on what Christ has done. And we thank you for Christ impoverishing himself for us, that we might become rich in him. And we pray, Father, that you would warm our hearts, that you would uh, set our hearts alive and spark in us that grace of giving in our money, in our time, in our talent, and that we would know, even in this life, Father, the benefit of weathering the storms by knowing and being the recipients of your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let's sing of that reality through the next hymn, Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne. Let's stand and sing together. Mm -hmm.